of War. Tug of War is the title of this morning's message. And the Bible says this in Luke 15, 31. He said, and he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. Everybody say, it's mine. He said, all that is mine is yours. It's up to us to step into it, receive it, grab hold of it, never let go of it. Amen. And watch what we can accomplish being seated in a place of chair one. And being the open door for the Father to come and change the world of our earthly reality as who Jesus was and is, we now become. He was and is our pathway to the Father. We now are the Father's pathway to the earth. God doesn't want to just do something to you. He wants to do something through you this morning. Amen? Pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that that would be the case, that we're not asking for a movement. We declare that we are a movement this morning in Jesus' name. You're not wanting to just do something to us or get something to us. You're wanting to do something through us so we can get, on these, get in on these miracles, signs, and wonders that you have planned for all of us here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said Amen. And, and a couple uh, themes throughout this whole series that we've been doing. The very first one is this, is we love you just the way you are and for exactly who you are right now. If you never changed again the rest of your life and you are just like this for the rest of your life, guess what? It's not our job to try to fix you, to make you somebody. It's our job to love you. And so I want you to do this. I want you to take all the pressure off yourself to try, uh, of trying to become somebody, of trying to make yourself into somebody. Because here at TWBC, we're not trying to make you into somebody. We're loving you just the way you are for who you are. And it's the Father's job when that love, that environment is present to come in and transform who you are from maybe a fisherman like Peter to one of the greatest apostles that ever walked the face of the earth. It wasn't Peter's job to change himself. It was Peter's job to step in over here into covenant where the love of the Father is and watch the Father change his life. There are parts that we have to do, but the main thing we have to do is realize it's the Father's job to do it. And so at TWBC, when you walk through those doors, we love you just the exact way you are, just how you are, and in the circumstances that you're in. And it's our prayer that you will feel the love of the Father in such a way that you'll say, I'll open my heart because I felt the transformation power of God through love that the Father will come in and do all that he promised he would do. You are not a project to be fixed. You are a person to be loved. And we want you to know that we love you here at TWBC. We believe that this environment that he's given us called home is going to be the catalyst on what changes lives. It's the catalyst of what changes lives. It's the spark. It's the starting place. And when people can come in and find a place called home, and home is uh, defined as this, it's where the presence of the Father is. When people can come into a place and find the presence of the Father, they're never going to be the same. Their life will never be the same. And so it's our heart that you find the presence of the Father here. And we know that homelessness is the absence of the presence of the Father. And that's where many people live most of their life in a homeless state. Having an encounter with Christ at one point, but then never experiencing the fullness of walking to a place called home and experiencing the fullness of the presence of the Father in their life. And so as we talked about last week, I'm going to do a quick recap. Um, covenant defined as this, 
A covenant defined is when two parties come together, it is so binding that the individuals are no longer recognized as two, but one. When you and your spouse got married, you are no longer recognized as individuals, but the Bible says two have become one flesh. And what you say about one, you say about the other. What you do to one, you do to the other. What you feel about one, you feel about the other. And we must begin to realize this, that if we are in covenant with the Father, as Jesus said, I and the Father are one, what people say about the Father, they say about you. And so when they say he's a good, good Father, they're saying that, you're a good, good person because you're in the covenant with the Father. What they say negatively about the Father, they say about you. And so when people begin to, as the Bible says, persecute you, revile you, and say all kinds of evil against you, the Bible says, count it of great reward, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who are before you. And being in covenant with the Father, when they say something bad about you, they're saying it about him. And I would rather let God take his toll on somebody's life rather than me in my earthly sense try to do it. Amen. I'm going to let God handle his business or I'm going to let God handle my business and I'm going to handle his business. Amen. His business is seeing chair two and three coming to the presence of the father. My business is making sure I stay in chair one and not get drugged back in to chair number two. So a covenant defined is the individuals are no longer two, but one. God does not operate outside of his covenant with us. Every decision God makes is now based on this covenant with us. And it was like that even before the garden of Eden was created because the Bible says Jesus was slain before the foundations of the earth were ever laid. And so God had this covenant in place. And so everything God has done from the moment of creation, he's done it with us in mind. He's not operate outside of this covenant with us. And every decision he makes is based on this covenant with us. And so it should be the same with us. We should not operate outside of this covenant with God. We should not begin to make a decision on our own in our earthly realm over here and then come over here and say, oh God, now bless my earthly decision. We should be over here so much that we say, Father, I want to hear your voice and there's a decision I have to make and I want to hear from you because you and I are one. We're in this covenant together and I'm not going to make a decision outside of my covenant with you that would affect our covenant. And so we must begin to make our decisions based on our covenant with Christ in every area of our life, even the decisions you make this morning. And so as we talked about three weeks ago, when you walked through that door, you activated your covenant. God didn't want us to just have access to a covenant. He, wanted to, he wants to activate it by going through it. And when we walk through the covenant, it's now activated and we're at a place with the Father where our covenant is active, it's alive, and it's something that we need to live by and depend on. And as we walk through the covenant and made faith declarations and we declare things by faith because we know that we are in covenant and the blood of Jesus is speaking before us, we walk through it by faith inspiration. Now we speak by faith declarations of all the things God's told us to do. Amen? And a lot of us, we miss it because we always speak of the future tense. I'm about to be healed. I'm about to be blessed. I'm about to be different. I'm about to get changed. And we're speaking of the future tense when the Bible says, now, right now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So our confession, our declaration must change. Not that I'm about to be healed. It's in spite of the circumstances I feel here on this earthly side that the blood of Jesus says, I am already healed in the name of Jesus because of his price that he so I'm by in faith over here in chair one. I'm going to declare by faith who he said I am and what he said I was called to do. And so we walk through by inspiration of faith. And then we maintain our status here by declaration 
of faith. And some of you are thinking, well, I don't really understand how that works. Of course you do. You do understand how it works because you did it when you got born again. The Bible says if you confess or declare out loud that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You crossed over from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Everything else has done the exact same. I confess it, I declare it by faith, not in who I am, but what in, in what Jesus Christ has already done. We put great emphasis on Jesus dying for our sins, but we stop there. When he didn't just die for our sins, he died for our sins, our healing, our restoration, our redemption, the anointing, the power of God. He died so that all of heaven now would have access to come to this place called earth and begin to change our life forevermore. And as we signed this covenant last week, I love all these signatures on the door. As we signed it last week, that was you saying, I'm going to stand up to my side of the covenant. Where who Jesus was and is, I now become. And if Jesus was and is my access to the Father, I now hold up my end of the bargain and I become the Father's access point into the earth. I become the Father's access point into this earth for the kingdom of God not to just come, but to come through me and to change the world I live through me. Come on, give me an amen. Some of y'all act like you're scared of that. <laughs> no, that means you're born again and you're a Christian, right? Anything else, you're just a churchgoer. We got a lot of churchgoers, but I'm ready to see some Christians, some born again, blood-bought followers of Christ. Come on. I love it in Acts when they said, I, I, I don't know really who they are, but he said, we know that they're unlearned men, but we can tell that they hung out with Jesus because they're doing the same works that Jesus did. Amen. And he was talking about Peter. And so in the same way, we should follow Christ in such a way. That's what Christian means, follower of Christ. Some of us are acknowledgers of Christ. Some of us are spectators of Christ. Some of us are entertained by Christ in church and everything else. But if you're going to be a Christian, it means I'm going to follow Christ to such a way that I become the Father's access point to the earth, just like Jesus was. And when Jesus laid his hands on the sick, kingdom of heaven showed up. When Jesus laid his hands on dead people, kingdom of heaven showed up. I love the story, and it's over, it's over read so many times, that there was a woman walking down the street, and her son had just passed away, and they were carrying him in a casket. Jesus couldn't go to a funeral without messing it up. He saw the funeral coming down the street, and he just walked by and touched the casket and said, Get up. Right? It's not in him to let things that are supposed to be alive, uh, alive stay dead. It's not in him to let your marriage that's supposed to be alive and thriving be dead and dying. It's not in him to let your heart that's supposed to be alive and thriving be dead and dying. It's not in him to let this anointing that's on you that's supposed to be alive and thriving be dead and dying. It's not in him. He said he is the God who gives life to the dead and calls those things that be not as though they were. And so we must realize that we are the access point of the Father into this earth. And I love this. God doesn't need a lot in the natural. He just needs a pathway to it. God doesn't need a lot in the natural. He just needs a pathway to it. So this is the pathway. And God doesn't need a big pathway. He just needs a pathway with an open door to get to it. And I love how, how last week we talked about this. And God didn't need a lot. He just needed a willing boy with five loaves and two fish. And he said, if I can get a willing boy with five loaves and two fish, I don't need a lot in the natural. I just need a pathway to it. If I can get a willing boy with five loaves and two fish, and my son doesn't even have to touch it, he just blesses it. Read the story. Jesus didn't break the bread and pass it out. He blessed it, and the disciples did it. Come on now. 
He said, if I can just get a little bit in the natural, I just need a willing boy with five loaves and two fish. And the kingdom of heaven, who is the pathway, my son, all he has to do is say the word and bless it, and I will feed a multitude with five loaves and two fish. And there will be so much left over, he's going to have 12 basketfuls to pick up. God doesn't need a lot in the natural. He just needs a pathway to the natural. He didn't need a lot. He needed four men willing to carry a mat and lower somebody in the front of Jesus so Jesus could say, hey, you, get up and walk. Come on now. He didn't need a lot in the natural. He just needed four willing men to carry a mat. And I love it when, when, the, when, the, when the centurion ran up to him and said, Jesus, I'm a man under authority. I understand this whole thing that you're talking about. Jesus uh, uh, previously always laid his hands on things. But this time a centurion came and said, Jesus, I'm a man under authority. You just say the word. The spiritual ramifications of that are endless. Because now for the first time, Somebody, I'm not saying they outdid Jesus, was up to the level of faith of Jesus and said, Jesus, you don't have to come touch him. You just say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus stopped and he said, I haven't seen such great faith in all of Israel. Because he said, now I don't even have to lay my hand because he believed in something greater than I have said. Because he believed it, I can just speak it. And now the kingdom of heaven through my voice has access into somebody's life. That's why there is no distance in the realm of the spirit. Ooh, come on. But maybe you're like me and not really like the centurion, and you realize that you got big issues in your life. You realize you got big issues in your life. It's my favorite story, and this is why I believe it's one of my favorite. God doesn't need a lot in the natural, He just needs a pathway to it. He only needed a woman with an issue, <laughs> she wasn't even a perfect woman, she was just a woman with an issue. But she said, If I just touch, the hem of his garment. If I touch the kingdom of heaven, I'll be made whole. See, in your life, some of you are thinking, I got a lot to do. I got a lot to become perfect. No, Jesus didn't need a perfect woman. He simply needed a woman with an issue who was willing to touch heaven. And when a woman with an issue was willing to touch heaven, Jesus, not even knowing it, turned around and said, who touched me? Because heaven just went out of me. And the woman could not hide herself. Come on. When you know God touches you, you can't hide yourself any longer. It doesn't matter if there's 5,000 people around. When the presence of God finally touches you, you can't hide it any longer. There ought to be a different smile about your face. There ought to be a different attitude. And when he calls you out, you can stand up just like she did and say, it was me that felt the kingdom of heaven come into my life. And I'm changed now and forevermore. Come on, give him praise. Man, it's awesome. God doesn't need a lot in the natural. He just needs a pathway to the natural. And God, wasn't, and God doesn't want to do miracles without you. He wants to do miracles with you. Those of you who have kids understand this. I can do a lot of things without my sons, but I don't want to. I want to do it with them. Even if mowing the yard takes a little bit longer, I want to do it with them. It may not look as good, but it still gets mowed. Amen. They want to walk with daddy at the lawnmower. And so God doesn't want to do a miracle without you. He wants to do it with you. And if you as parents want to do stuff with your kids, why would it be any different with the Father? He's sovereign. He's God enough to even mess up your mistakes when you're doing it with him. Some of y'all need to rejoice in that. Right? Well, I don't know if I'm going to say the right prayer. He's still daddy. He can fix the yard. It doesn't matter how bad you mess it up. He's daddy. It doesn't matter how messed up your prayers. He doesn't need a lot in the natural. He just needs a willing vessel to work through. That's why some of the most of the religious people of Jesus' day were all upset with him. 
Because he was using sinners and tax collectors to advance the kingdom of heaven, not the righteous uh, or, or the, the wannabe righteous of their day uh, and, and the legal scholars of the law. I believe when the movement of God that we are begins to take place, he's not looking for people with doctorate degrees. He's not looking for people who are seminary educated. He's not looking for people who have spent years in Bible school. Not that those things are unimportant. He's looking for somebody who just says, I know that there's a touch from the Father that the world needs, and I know that God doesn't want to do it without me. He wants to do it with me. So, Daddy, I don't have the experience of seminary. I don't have the experience of Bible college, but what I do have is open hands and a willing heart, and I'm going to hold this door open so you can come through, and we're going to watch me. Miracles take place. The movement that we're in is not about education. It's about anointing and the power of God. And God saying, I just want a group of people who will say, I'm embracing the anointing. That's where heaven touches earth. And if you'll embrace it, whoo. See, God's got something greater than education. This is a freebie. He's got something greater than education. He's got something called wisdom. And you can be the most educated biblical person in the world, but if you don't have wisdom, and the Bible says with all you're getting, get wisdom and gain knowledge and understanding about it, all your seminary education doesn't mean jack. God says, I got something greater than education. I got something called wisdom. And my ways of wisdoms are contrary to the world's way of doing things. But if you'll get into my wisdom and with it get knowledge and understanding, and I always say this, wisdom is straight from God. Knowledge is when you don't know how to apply it to your life. Understanding is when you start getting versed well enough in it that you can apply it to somebody else's life. Come on. See, God's got something so much greater for you. It's not about you going to Bible school. It's not about you getting a seminary education. It's about you pressing into the Father, staying seated in chair one, and saying, Daddy, you don't need a lot in the natural, so here I am. You just need a willing heart. And watch how God transforms the world through you. The issue is that we face today, while we are seated in chair one, we're physically existing here in the realm of the earth. We're seated in chair one. We are, we are here. But our physical body is still literally existing over here in the realm of the earth. And that becomes a big issue for many believers. But where we are physically at should not determine what we're spiritually able to do. Let me, let, let me say that again. Where we're spiritually at here in the realm of the earth should not, should not dictate what we're spiritually able to do because we're, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places even though we're physically here on this earth. That's why we are the melding of these two realms. And so what we're physically at should not dictate what we're spiritually able to do. Jesus was physically here but spiritually able to do everything the Father asked him to do because he said, I'm the pathway for the Father to get to earth. I'm that pathway. Where we're, spirit, or where we're physically at should not dictate what we're spiritually able to do. But we got to realize what you focus on is what you gravitate to. Some of y'all need to write that down. You need to put it on your mirror. You need to put it in your car. You need to put it as your ringtone. What you focus on is what you gravitate to or towards. And when you focus on things, you gravitate towards them. So if I focus on the things of the kingdom of God... If I focus on these things, I gravitate towards staying seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. And if I focus on these things, I gravitate towards these things. But if I'm still this, this pathway, this realm here, if I focus on these things, I gravitate towards the reality of the earth that we live in. Remember all these papers? The voice of, I don't have an identity, is crying out. 
prison vision is crying out. The voice of career failures is crying out. The voice of, I've been set up for failure without no training is crying out. I'm incapable. The voice of transitions in life are crying out. The voice of a failed marriage is crying out. The voice of past relationships are crying out. The voices of choices are crying out. The voices from approval from others is crying out. The voice of abandonment is crying out. The voice of acceptance is crying out. The voice of being made fun of is crying out. The voice of adult fears are crying out. The voice of divorce is crying out. The voice of darkness is crying out. The voice of who I am is crying out. The voice of financial decision is crying out. The voice of uselessness is crying out. The voice of having no purpose is crying out. The voice of death, when and how it's going to happen, is crying out. The voice of physical limitations is crying out. The voice of the future is crying out. The voice of, uh, of a divorce is crying out. The, the, the voice of I have no respect for authority is crying out. The voice of blended families is crying out. The voice of disappointments in the past, this is a big one for some of you, is crying out. The voice of grown people problems is crying out if you're a young person. The voice of overlooked pain or non-dealt with pain is crying out. The voice of comparison is crying out. The voice of how do I deal with puberty and passion is crying out. The voice of doubt is crying out. The voice of identity crisis is crying out. The voices of inner vows are crying out. The voice of acceptance is crying out. The voice of fear and abandonment and failure is crying out. The voice of baggage is crying out. The voice of taking care of two generations is crying out in worry and doubt. The voice of medical crisis is crying out. The voice of unresolved hurt is crying out. The voice of divorce, again, is crying out. And we have all these voices that are crying out. They're screaming at us. What you focus on is what you gravitate to. The voice you listen to is the voice that gets your attention. Let me say that again. The voice you listen to is the voice that gets your attention. Now, there's a verse in the Bible that has been widely misinterpreted, and it's Matthew 7, 13 through 14. And it says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the, load, the, the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So it says, broad is the road that leads to destruction, and narrow is the way that leads to life, and a few find it. Now, i got to clarify what this term narrow means. Narrow is a Greek word that means narrow in comparison to the object surrounding it. So it's not saying that Jesus is not saying the cross is a small place. The cross is the biggest thing that ever happened in the history of time. It's not small. It's not tiny. But the problem is that word narrow means this. It's small in comparison to all the other thousands and thousands and thousands of voices that are calling to your head and you're dealing with your past and you're dealing with your issues. And the Bible says whatever you focus on, you begin to gravitate towards. And if I listen to the one voice versus the thousand voices, I'll gravitate this way. But if I listen... To the voices over here, I'm going to gravitate this way. And I'm going to find issues in my life. I need two volunteers this morning. Tony, can you come help me this morning? Ralph, can you come help me this morning? As I mentioned earlier, the title of this morning's message is Tug of War. 
Tony, you want to, since you're first on stage, you want to be Satan or God? I'll take God. Okay. I figured you'd say that. I guess I don't get a choice. Ralph, you're blessed and highly favored, amen? And you're just acting a part. The title of this morning's message is Tug of War. And the voice of God is pulling you this way. The voice of divorce is pulling me this way. The voice of God that says you're an overcomer is pulling you this way. The voice of insecurity is pulling me this way. The voice of God saying you're more than a conqueror is pulling me this way. The voice that says, Joel, your failure in your past is pulling you this way. And there's a tug of war for your focus. There's a tug of war where both sides are pulling and both sides are straining to get you to come to one side or the other. Our job is to be who what Christ was and is. We now become, we are God's pathway to the Father. But our fight for focus is a tug of war because I got the voice and this is me personally, this is a real deal. I got the voice all the time of insecurity pulling me this way, saying, Joel, you're worthless. Joel, you're never going to accomplish it. Joel, you're never going to get there. And it's pulling me. And it's my job to listen to the voice of the Father that is pulling me this way that says, I've already got your destiny well in hand. You're more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer. You're an anointed man of God. You're healed in the name of Jesus. You got the power of all of heaven on your side. And I got to listen to the voice that's pulling me this way. But it's a tug of war like never before. Now, you guys stay right there, okay? I'm going to drop the ropes just for a second. Pause on the tug of war game. I just told you the answer or the, the issues. It's the voices versus the voice. The answer is this, Hebrews 12, 1, 2, and 3 in the NIV version. Therefore, everybody say what? Everybody say Therefore. You need to go back and read Hebrews chapter 11. Because what I said a couple weeks ago, I said, the father on this side, it's not just him. It's the Father on this side. It's the Son interceding on his behalf. It's all the angels and hosts of heaven. It's the elders around the throne. It's the living creatures around the throne. But also more than that, it is all the saints that have gone on before that are sitting here and looking at me in this pathway. And they're saying, come on, Joel. It's your job to hold that door open. You've got this, baby. You can do this. And if the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 1, therefore... It means it's there for a reason. And if we'll go back and read it, it's all the saints of old that are sitting on this side saying, if I wouldn't have, if I wouldn't have given up that one time, if I wouldn't have been out of faith that one time, I see what God can do. And they're looking at you from this side of eternity, giving you the biggest standing ovation, giving you the biggest cheering section saying, run the race. Don't give up. Don't quit. I know insecurity sounds real. I know inner vows are real. I know the pain over here is real. But listen, I know this side is more real than that side. I never thought about being and all the saints of old are encouraging you to come this way and they're pulling with the father Amen. and telling you we got to get somewhere therefore y'all didn't realize therefore was such a big word <laughs> therefore the bible says since we are surrounded by that great cloud of witnesses that i just talked about let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run the race with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who entered such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and you will not lose heart. Now let's go back to the tug of war game. Thanks, God. Thanks, Ralph. 
Yeah, couldn't go there. See, a lot of times in this game of tug of war, it says, let us throw off those things that so easily entangle us. Well, we don't realize many times in the body of Christ, when Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, and he paid the price and his blood was shed, he set us free from all the voices over there. Now here comes the issue. Many strongholds are in place. Many issues are in place. Many problems of the world are in place. Not because Jesus hasn't conquered them, but because we haven't let go of them. Okay, I got to do that again because some of y'all just missed that. When Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, he paid the price. He finished the race. He kept the faith. It was done. When he said it was finished, he wasn't joking. Can I get an amen? amen? The problem is many of us in our Christian walk, it's not that God hasn't done his part. It's we haven't let go of the voices inside. And a lot of us read the verse of Scripture that Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. And we're binding insecurity when a lot of us need to say, no, 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 I'm letting go of insecurity. I'm binding myself to the voice of God, and he's calling me home, and I'm coming over onto his side, and I'm staying in a place of authority and power. It's not so much about what you can bind. It's what you can let loose of in this world so you can stay focused in this realm. And if we can stay focused and they can have our attention here, what you focus on is what you gravitate to. And if I can just let go of that insecurity, and it's hard. I'm not saying it's easy. If I can let go of that depression, I'm not saying it's easy. But I am saying if I begin to let go and focus over here, the blood of Jesus will show greater than the insecurity that I've been listening to. And it's now my fight to not be tug of war, but to hold on to this with all I got. Because this is my voice. This is my connection with the Father. And when this is my connection with the Father, he will pull me through onto his side. Give them a hand clap this morning. Amen. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And easily entangles is a great phrase. It's a deceptive phrase that means... This, how simply we get deceived into being back over here when all that we need and all that he has for us is over here. And in one moment, insecurity can rush back in like a flood. In one moment, it can come back in like a flood. That's why he said, throw it off. The sin that so easily entangles, it's so, it happens in the most subtle of ways. I always say this, the road to adultery wasn't built overnight. It was built one pebble at a time. I mean, it is so true. And so in this, we must throw off those things that so easily entangle us. And it says this, let us fix our eyes. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. This version says the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. Come on, that's a good thing. He's the pioneer of faith and he's the perfecter of faith. I think he knows what he's doing. There was a story a little bit ago back in the, the 1996 Olympics where there was a, a young girl and she was in the gymnastics program in the 1996 Olympics. Her name is Carrie Strug. Many of you probably saw it. Many of you probably witnessed it, watched it live on TV. 
the United States was poised to win the first Olympic all-around, where, where all of the team standings where they got the medal in 1996. And it came down to the, the final thing of the vault, where this was Carrie Strug's greatest event. And she knew that the Russian team still had two more people to do on their floor event, so she felt all the pressure of not just her, but her team and a nation riding on her back to drill this one run that she had, this one opportunity that she had. And this was her greatest event. She was coached by one of the greatest gymnastic coaches of all times. His name was Bella Caroli. And as he's standing there, he was so confident in his young gymnast. Knowing that this was her greatest event, she nailed it every time. He was so confident in her that he was cheering her on and she begins to run. And in the vault, you get two chances to nail it. And so she began to run and she ran and she ran and she hit the springboard and she bounced and she flipped off the vault and she landed. And when she landed, she slipped and landed flat on her back, flat on her back, like any good gymnast would do. She jumped up, bowed to the refs, and she began to walk back to the starting point because she had one more chance. But as she was walking back, she begins to limp, not realizing how bad she had hurt her ankle. She had torn two ligaments and didn't even know it. And so she's standing over here in great pain, and as she's standing over here in great pain, she can't even put a, a lot of pressure on it. And she's standing here in great pain. She once again feels the weight of her team, of her nation on her back. And she's got to nail this one jump. And she's got to run down this lane. And she's got to hit the vault with both feet and flip off it and land and stick this landing. So the United States can win a gold medal. And all she can think about is the pain that is in this ankle because she's torn two ligaments. I'm not saying when you fall as a believer, it doesn't hurt because it does hurt. When you mess up, when you fail, it hurts and it hurts deeply. And when you fall or when something happens or when a crisis happens in your life or a death in your family happens or depression hits or cancer hits or a sickness hits or a problem hits, I'm not saying that slip and fall doesn't hurt. I'm saying I know how bad it hurts. The father knows how bad it hurts. As she walks back to the line and she's limping the whole way back and she's standing there, all the voices in the whole area are screaming and they're shouting USA and they're wanting this gold medal. See, the world doesn't care about your pain. They just want what they can get from you. Some of y'all get that. The world didn't care how bad she was hurting. They wanted her to get a gold for the nation. But amongst all the voices, she heard the world-class coach, Bella Caroli, saying, Carrie! Carrie, look at me. Listen to my voice. Carrie, look at me. You can do this. You can do this. And he says, focus on me. Listen to me. He said, when you start running again, do not slow down. 
that ought to be an encouragement for some of you because you're supposed to get up and run today and not slow down. But if you focus on the hurt of the fall that you just had, you're never going to make it to the vault, less, less the horse, to be able to stick a landing that you're supposed to land. She's standing there in pain, and she can't even put weight on her foot. And she's got to run down this lane. And as she begins to prepare, you see this intense focus come over because she knows she is the United States pathway to a gold medal, just like we know we are God's pathway for the kingdom. And in the midst of our hurt and in the midst of our pain, it doesn't mean the coach doesn't care. It means the coach says, I see a victory greater on the other side that will make the pain that you're going through look far less than what you're experiencing right now. But you got to get through the other side first. So she lines up. And as she begins to take a deep breath, she focuses her first step as a limp. And then she begins to run. And she runs her heart out. And as she runs, she lands on the vault. She hits it. She flips. And she lands. And when she comes down, to boom. And she sticks a landing. The stadium goes absolutely nuts. And in this, her coach runs and now carries her to the gold medal. And he carries her to the gold medal stand and sets her up on that stand. Because see, what she didn't realize in the midst of her pain over there, she was going to bring a whole nation gold over here. What you don't realize in the midst of your pain over there, God sees your pain. He knows your pain's real. But he says, if in the midst of your pain that you experience in this realm, if you can focus your voice, because what you focus on, you gravitate to. If you can focus your voice over here and you can begin to listen to the voice of the Father that says, Joel, I understand how much you've been hurt and disappointed in things and, and, and things in the world. But understand this, I am your Father. I'm a good, good Father. And in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your problem, in the midst of your issues, in the midst of your security. If you'll hear my voice, you'll overcome this limp that you're in and you'll be able to stick a landing because there's somebody on the other side of your obedience that needs the gold that the, only the father can bring. There's somebody on the other side of your pain. There's somebody on the other side of your problem. This is why it's so paramount for you as a believer, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, to listen to the voice of the Father. And even when it hurts sometimes, and you're going to be facing the same thing that disappointed you last time, I want you to line up in this lane, and I want you to get ready to run again. If you've got to run with the limp, run with the limp, because he's the same Father who can heal the limp, that's going to get you through the vault, who's going to stick the gold for you, who's going to bring you to a place of, of standing before nations in his power. But so many times, believers, on our first run, we slip, we fall, we get hurt, and we decide it's not worth getting back up. When all along, there's a nation on the other side of our obedience to get back up. When all along, there's a city on the other side of our obedience. If Joel will just get back up one more time. There's a, there's a family on the other side of my obedience that if I'll just get back up, God can restore a marriage. And y'all, I'm not saying the hurts aren't real. But I'm saying if we'll listen to the voice of the Father over all these voices that are pulling our attention this way. If we'll listen to the voice of the Father instead of the voices that are pulling us this way, the hurts that happen over here will be superseded. Not on the other side when we get to heaven and glory. I believe in this earth. Jesus said, let it be done on heaven as it is on earth. 
He, he, Jesus was big on seeing heaven happen in this earth. I'm not waiting until I get to heaven for God to restore things. I'm believing for restoration now. I'm not waiting until I get to heaven for God to make all things new. I believe I'm made new. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus now. And in my running, even if it hurts, if I listen to the voice of the Father that says, you can do it. Listen to me. Don't slow down. We're going to change cultures and society for the glory. But it's a tug of war. It's a tug of war for your focus. Your schedule pulls on it. The Father says, spend time with me. Your work life pulls on it. The Father says, listen to my voice. The pains of your past pull on it, and the Father says, I've made all things new. This morning, as we have an altar call, Mitch, y'all can go ahead and come on up. Ministers, y'all go ahead and begin to pray. This morning, as we have an altar call, my altar call and my ask for your response is this. Will you get up and run again?